slightly nervous today about today's message. It's not my favourite type of message. Uh, I normally like to have a, a hunk of scripture and just go through kind of systematically or a book of the Bible systematically. Um, but I, I do feel the Lord wants us to do this series and it's just three uh, messages today and the next two Sundays and the topic is change. I feel that the Lord has put that on my heart to speak about change and I feel because uh, that's what's happening to us as a church and, and what is in the future. So um, I want to pray and then I'll tell you a story. So Lord, we do ask your help and uh, your anointing today and that as we open up your word and as words are spoken, that they would speak uh, to us as a group and speak to um, individuals too where they're at and um, in the ways you want us to change, Lord, that we'd be on board with that and that we'd be obedient. Most of all, you want our obedience and our love. And we ask, um, help us towards that goal today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So there were... And actually, this story is from World War II, and it was, um, now Ralph is going to um, correct me afterwards, but um, it was in World War II, and there uh, is to do with the prisoners in World War II, the Allied prisoners, and they were in different uh, huts, Starlucks, I think they were called, is that correct? And um, <clears throat> the commander of of the whole prison camp, he uh, he was quite popular with the prisoners. He he was he did some good things, and so one day he got on the loud um, hailer and he says, uh, "Today, today, we are going to have a change." <laughs> we are going to have a change. Ah. Uh, we're going to have a change of underclothing. Starlark 13 is going to change with Starlark 7. Starlark 7 is going to change with Starlark 13. All right. Uh, <laughs> should we read some scripture? Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah 54. And um, Isaiah 53 is really important to the early church. They saw that the early church saw Isaiah 53, and in fact, the Jews. It spoke of the suffering servant. It spoke of the Messiah that was going to come. And so, even though initially it was speaking to Israel, the community of faith that followed, including the early church, they could see that. Uh, this what had a deeper and a further meaning in the life of Jesus, the suffering servant. And so Isaiah 54 carries on from that. So uh, we'll read that. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will not, for, sorry, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. And then uh, at the end of this chapter, this also is in that chapter, Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon 
formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Amen. So I feel we're going to, or in the midst, we're on our way to uh, a season of change as a church. That's kind of scary, and that can be frightening, change. In fact, I've heard it said that the initial reaction to change for 90% of people is fear. So for most people, most of the time, change, um, the initial emotion is fear. Change can be frightening. But when we know some details of that change that is coming, it's not so frightening. So that's part of what I want to do today to calm your fears a bit. And we're going to start at the end, because that's not so nice, and get up to the nice bit. Verse 17. Some expectations as we go into a season of change. First one, expect some opposition. Expect some opposition. There will be opposition. Things will be said, and not all of them will be complimentary. Some... Some opposition, some, some nasty things will be said. But get this, verse 17, no weapons formed against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. Isn't that good? There will be opposition. There will be things that will be said. And it won't all be nice. But we will be vindicated says the Lord, says the Lord. It's a promise. It's interesting to compare John the Baptist and Jesus. And in particular, uh, the, the reactions of people to Jesus and, and John. And the, the ministries of John and Jesus were quite different. Luke chapter 7, verses 33 to 35. Jesus says this, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Look at this glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and of sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by all her children. And so the religious people, some of them at the time of Jesus, they didn't like the frugality of John. They didn't like it. They didn't like either the big living of Jesus. And they had good re religious reasons for both. But the thing was, God was involved in the lives of both of these men. God was involved in the life of John, and God was involved in the life of Jesus. And the thing is this, some people... You just can't please. <laughs> Some people, you just can't please. They didn't like change. They didn't like how John was so rough and frugal and stood against the extravagance of the time. And they didn't like the way Jesus lived, that he would eat and drink and go to celebrations. <clears throat> but wisdom is proved by her children means it's a bit like saying the proof is in the pudding. 
You know, look at John. John was anointed. Look at Jesus. Jesus was anointed. The proof is in the pudding. And those in touch with God could see God at work in the life of John, and they could, and they could see God at work in the life of Jesus. And John was more aesthetic than most, and Jesus was more social than most. But God was at work in both of them. And, and we can see God at work in the midst of change. And even if it's different from us, and we love the same. You know, most of us are pretty conservative in lots of ways. We like doing the same old, same old. So change can be scary. But in the midst of change, look and see, man, is God in this? Even if it's different. Even if it's different, is God in this? Ask that question. Jesus said in Matthew 5, people will insult you and persecute you and falsely say all sorts of things about you, just as they did the prophets. Luke's version of Matthew 5 says this, uh, you will be excluded. 1 Peter verse 4 talks about sufferings, including insults. And Peter says this, don't think that is strange. Think that as normal. Verse 13 of 1 Peter 4. Rejoice that you are participating in the sufferings of Christ. Nehemiah. You know, the main problem of Nehemiah was not the resources. The resources came miraculously. The main problem of Nehemiah was people opposing him. And it came from a strange direction, from the nobles of the community. You would have thought the nobles would have been on board but they were some of his opponents. And so there will be opposition, but no weapon formed against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. Amen? It's one of the things of change. Expect opposition at times. Not everyone will clap. Expect change. Expect different types of change. Size change. There's a book uh, I, I did in our course called um, Natural Church Growth. And what this, this guy had looked at, I think it was something like a thousand churches, was it? I forget now. But it was in five uh, continents, all sorts of different churches. And what he found over 10 years, what he found was there it actually is no silver bullet, no, no gimmick, but churches that do the basics well tend to grow because of this. There's something magic in the seed. It's just natural. Kingdom of God, there's something magic in the seed. Jesus said this in, I think it's Mark 4, verses 26. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day he sleeps and wakes, and the seed sprouts and grows, though he knows not how. All by itself the earth produces a crop, first the stalk, then the head, then the grain ripens within. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he comes with the sickle, and, and the harvest has come. There's something magic in the seed. It just grows. 
and 90% of most people's reaction initially to change is fear. But don't be afraid. And there's going to be some changes. We're going to lose our wonderful Danelle family. That's sad. Uh, but don't be afraid. God has always provided what we need. He's provided the people that we need. He's provided the resources that we need. God will help us. Amen? Change. You know, sometimes churches change size. And a thing that can happen is that people attribute a moral attribute to a particular size. And they say, a small church, that's way better. That's more authentic. That's more real. That's more organic. That's more inclusive. Or some others can say, no, large church, it's way better. It's better quality. It's more vibrant. There's more quality uh, anointing on the messages. It's more gauge. It's pumping. But actually, it's just different sizes. And uh, even if we change size, even if we change size, you know, God can be in a different size of church as well. There'll be some change of structures. The, it's said on, the, on there, the lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. You know, um, change, when, you, when you need a bigger tent, you need to do different things. Lengthen the cords. Move the pegs. Do something with the poles. Another way of looking at it is Luke 5.38. And um, the Lord spoke to this to us um, was it last year, a year before. And I was ha- having a quiet time just before going to church. It was down in Wellington. And uh, I wrote it down in my, my journal, Luke 5.38. Um, it was about new wine needing New wineskins, that exact verse. I went to church, and the pastor there, I said, oh, um, we'd met them a couple of times. Oh, Carl and Charlene are here from Gisborne. It's a wine-making area. But um, new wine needs new wineskins. And um, so I believe that's about change, change. Uh, The school here, Actually, just a little bit of a heads up. Uh, they have to knock down, the ministry wants them to knock down the wall between rooms one and two to make a large classroom. That's the trend in education at the moment. And that was supposed to happen in July. They keep putting it back, hard to get builders at the moment. When it does happen, those classes will come in here. Uh, we'll have to be somewhere else for a couple of months. So change. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Uh, Expect change. Um, Size maybe, structures maybe. Expect effort. Pegs don't move by themselves. Cords don't get lengthened by themselves. Stakes don't get strengthened by themselves. You know, it will require effort from us as we go through change. And finally, Expect excitement and victory. This is their vindication, says the Lord, of the servants of the Lord. This is their heritage of the servants of the Lord. 
and doing the church history course, one of the things that I'm seeing is, man, the church made some terrible mistakes and had some terrible opposition and persecution. But God comes through. God comes through. It's, um, it's a bit like when Waitangi Kupinga comes down from Ruatoria and she comes and stays and she is a ball of energy. And one day she came down and she said, oh, I'm going to change the layout of your lounge. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and her and Teatafai, they did. And it was, uh, it was different, but it was great. It was great. Expect God with us even in the midst of change. And Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew, the very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 20, I will always be with you. I will always be with you. Ko hau tēnā hei hōma koutou i ngā rā katoa a te mutunga rā anō o te ao. I will always be with you. Always. So, in change, expect opposition, expect change of size and structures maybe. Expect uh, a new need for effort. Expect excitement and victory and expect that God will be with us in the midst of it. Amen.